we're back, and we're over an hour, and that's okay. Uh, we were reading directly from the PDF, and you can see that we were in the kitchen with uh, Doll and his boss and uh, Doll's wife, and uh, she yelled at, uh, it sounds like from the reading that I'm getting from the document, uh, from the Agent Wilcox memorandum, uh, you know, she was super mad at Dahl and, and insisted that he admit uh, everything was a uh, utter fabrication and a hoax. Uh, so this, you know, PDF is super detailed in terms of the level of detail that this report goes into. It's long form, sort of uh, almost stream of consciousness, uh, you know, barely formatted for paragraphs or anything. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to jump back out of it and go back to my Cliff's Notes uh, version of it in order to uh, continue to advance the story. Uh, but that's the first mention of a hoax. Uh, we'll hear again um, both men involved in the uh, incident uh, talk about uh, their reasons for uh, characterizing uh, the events of the evening as a hoax. Uh, here in this instance, we hear it is at the exhortation of his wife, who, uh, you know, uh, sounds like she charged into the kitchen quite upset, you know, um, perhaps afraid for all of them uh, for some unknown reason, or uh, perhaps uh, because she thought her husband was, you know, prone to these type of whoppers, uh, tall tales, uh, and was sick of it. And, uh, you know, that could absolutely be the case as well. Um, so yeah, don't know either way on that one. Uh, but interesting there nonetheless. So hopping back over to the, you know, larger story. Um, these craft you know, five fully functional craft seen to circle the damaged one. By some unknown means, they were able to jumpstart it. They rose as a group to a higher altitude and quickly sped away. Uh, Dahl did have a camera aboard the boat. He did have a camera aboard the boat, yes. Okay, we wondered. He did. He did. He used it. He tried to take pictures. The pictures came out crappy, predictably, always, right? Obviously, or we'd already have these in the big 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 deal that we would already know about but um they had white spots all over um uh people who looked into this much further and you know this is some of that homework uh you know the talk and radio activity uh was speculated as a reason you know this molten slag it came off a ufo maybe ufo is you know uh, magic nuclear power maybe ufo is and here again, that now this is my speculation. I don't do too too much of that, but we do have some military involvement already in this, and there's more of it to come. Uh, you know, what if it's a experimental aircraft of some kind, and it's 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 got a nuclear payload of some kind, whether it's uh, weaponized or whether it's the propulsion system, um, and uh, if it was shedding material um, and was radioactive, maybe these people were exposed to some radioactivity. So. Um, So yeah, the dog. The dog gets killed uh, when the molten debris 
uh, fell onto the boat, damaged the boat, burned the uh, sun, I believe, and killed the dog. Then these people, for whatever reason, decide to throw the dog overboard, either at that moment or later that night before going ashore after it was killed by the falling debris. That's fucking weird. That's weird. Why do you throw the dog overboard? Who does that? I don't know. They did it. So, uh, he took pictures. They came out crappy. Dog's dead. Uh, you know, what he didn't do was report this to the police or anybody else really they went home no they went to the hospital for the boys burns uh i don't know if they concocted a story for them or told them the truth uh at that point or not um that night um he uh did let his boss know a day or so later all right and that's the guy who i'm talking about fred lee chrisman i did have his name in uh, Fred Lee Chrisman was the owner of the boat, and uh, he uh, Dahl tells uh, Chrisman what had occurred. He turned over the camera, I think, to Chrisman at that point. I'm not positive, but I think Chrisman is the one who then went on to uh, get these pictures, the crappy pictures, developed later. Um, uh, but you know, maybe this was to help substantiate his claims of like damage to the boat, etc. That it occurred that night. Uh, Chrisman then notified an associate, Ray Palmer. Okay, who the doc will also show you the Agent Wilcox memo uh, if you go long enough, further enough into it, um, that they had some sort of, according to Chrisman, long-standing agreement that if Chrisman ever saw any weird UFO shit, he would tell. Palmer about it like Palmer writes or publishes a magazine called Fate Magazine at the time which is some pulp sci-fi you know periodical thing uh, amazing stories type uh, uh, thing and uh, so he wants stories about UFOs and Chrisman decides real UFO story happened on my boat you know, to himself, and, and calls his buddy Ray Palmer. Um, so Ray uh, sends his guy, who is either some part-time or full-time uh, uh, UFO investigator, <laughs> Kenneth Arnold. Uh, I think he's from Idaho. Um, and uh, sends Kenneth over to investigate the site. And, uh, and they witness additional, uh, you know, they, he goes to, you know, the site where they uh, saw additional, you know, debris land and to, to talk to interview them and to look into the whole story and just to get out there as close to the site as he could. Um, you know, I think most of, the, most of the slag, so to speak, went in the water. But there was some that hit the ground and was on this mori island. Fashion Island. Uh, yeah. 
Washington. So, uh, Kenneth, you know, gets on out there and uh, starts looking into this. So, uh, this could be even less well-known, actually, honestly, in my opinion, if it wasn't for Kenneth Arnold because he was bragging, apparently, uh, about the princely sum he was being paid to investigate this matter to the investigo investigate to the editor blah, 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 to the editor of an Idaho newspaper uh, I think it was the Idaho Star is the name of that paper uh, the incident was finally reported by that paper's editor to Air Force Intelligence they quickly launched an investigation at that point uh so, you know, they were pretty hot for UFO stories at the time, the Air Force. So they were, you know, I mean, this was, yeah. I think this was right after Battle of Los Angeles and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. All right. Within days, Dahl and Chrisman were approached and interviewed by the FBI and Air Force investigators. And then, and yeah. See, no wonder I didn't make it in, in under an hour after all that weed talk before. Um, because this is, a, you know, not a small story. Uh, these guys were approached by what sounds like the first appearance ever of what are totally described as the men in black. Black suits, black hats, intimidating. Um, drove a black American sedan heard on one of the podcasts you know black buick you know and uh, you know i'd love to i'm going to keep on looking into maury island for a long time to come i think it's a really interesting story here these guys are supposedly the first appearance of the men in black um and very much the archetype you know kind of fully formed right here um the you know the, and, and if you don't know who the men in black are come on there's movies there's like three of them they were great will smith tommy lee jones uh linda fiorentino yeah yeah and yeah all sorts of fun people and uh great movies uh about uh you know the uh black suited uh men who are closely associated with ufo encounters alien abduction cases etc all throughout history starting around apparently right about then uh the mibs are usually said to be on hand after an event to smooth things over uh on in the on the immediate site and scene um and intimidate uh in particular would be talkative witnesses into silence right of course the uh, Chrisman crucially says he was invited to breakfast by the MIBs, who then went on to ask him no questions at all. Instead, they calmly recounted to him exactly what had occurred on that night, the night in question, as if they were themselves there as it occurred. So that's, you know, I mean, that's pretty, you know, I would be creeped out if I was out on that boat back in 47 
no iPhones on the boat anywhere to be found. No GPS. I don't think. I don't think in 1947 you had a digital instrument of any form or function. I think we know that. So yeah, we observed by some folks like this, seemingly omniscient. I wouldn't like it. So they tell him everything that happened that night and give him the ultra heebie-jeebies and then they go on to more or less indicate, you know, bad stuff will happen to you or your family or both uh, if you continue to push this, you know, as anything at all. Um, as legit. I mean, the cat was already out of the bag to some extent. At that point, people did know about it. It was already in papers, so they were being asked about it. And so here comes the hoaxes, you know, the supposed, you know, so now they've been intimidated and now they're going to claim hereafter, you know, that, hey, it was a hoax. We're full of shit. We're full of baloney. You know, we're <laughs> shenanigans. <laughs> uh, we're silly. We were drunk. We killed the dog by accident. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, let's see here. So, um, you know, even more, you know, pile it on, you know. Uh, so these two Air Force uh, uh, investigators come from, I believe it's Hamilton Air Force Base in California. And I don't know if it's still known by that name. A lot of bases have changed names over the years. Um but uh, this is that group they're attached to. And again, it's detailed in the Wilcox memo, and I've got uh, some notes here on it. But, uh, and, and they'll be right in the notes um, that, you, that you can look at. Um, these guys come. They talk to Chrisman. They talk to Dahl. They talk to everybody else who they feel like talking to. They go out and sniff around, and they get actually a box of – they get – the, I think the negatives to the photos. <laughs> okay, so they got the good stuff here. They get the negatives. These are the official Air Force guys who more or less were the Blue Book, you know, Project Blue Book types uh, here. Um, and uh, they get the some, if not all, the photo negatives uh, and photos and some of this supposed slag debris, uh, either from them firsthand from Chrisman and Dahl uh, or from the area around, I do not know, um, and uh, put this all in a box and put it in the aircraft and uh, jump with the plane and start heading south. And then they crash that plane and die. Uh, a engine catches on fire. The wing rips off. The wing hits the tail section. The tail section rips off the plane goes into a spin and explodes and the pilot and co-pilot or the two investigators die and then I thought I saw somewhere and I didn't see in this doc that but I saw somewhere or heard somewhere uh, that there were like two other people in the plane and they did live so how do two people parachute to safety out of a plane that's spinning out of control that would probably likely pin a lot of people like ceilings and walls and put, putting asses through elbows anyway 
if you're not, you know, um, and I don't know, maybe you're strapped in, maybe you're not, um, uh, you know, it's a cargo aircraft, I think it was a B-25 bomber, so, you know, it should be, you know, big, slow, pretty stable thing, but, you know, uh, anyway, the thing was apparently reported, and again, back to that 14-page report, like five anonymous calls came in about this aircraft too and it's like redacted all over the place in the dock but it sure looks by reading it like the local police department the local fire department and or the base then they sometimes mention the base's names at the beginning of paragraphs like mccord and then redact what would sure as shit seem to be the same base's name later in the same paragraph or page uh so you know it's just like read it read it read it and try to uh, you know digest it but the five different people who might have been more than you know might have been all five of those people were the same person putting in quote-unquote anonymous tips about this crash and uh you know the, the gist of it was one of them was claiming to be an insider. It was a mail caller who worked a switchboard as a switchboard operator on, I believe it was McCord Air Force Base. And, uh, yeah, let's see here. Yeah, and by the way, the, the officers who were killed, the investigators, were Captain Davidson and Lieutenant Brown, USAF. Uh, and as I said, that was Hamilton uh, Air Force Base. Uh, just days afterwards, as it was flying the materials off for analysis, and yeah, we got it on page two and page seven of the dock. Let's, without getting too hung up in the dock, I think seven had some of the juicy details here, and I hate to call them juicy details, but, uh, you know, let's see here. So, he stated, uh, let's see here, let's start at the top of this paragraph, super big redacted name and title of somebody, um, probably at a fire department somewhere, Tacoma, Washington, furnished substantially the same information that was obtained from, again, redacted, the blankety blank, regarding the anonymous phone calls which he had received calls plural he stated further that the first call he received was on friday august 1st at around 5:30 p.m. at this time the caller stated that the b25 which crashed at kelso washington was carrying disc fragments and that the two officers killed were captain davidson and lieutenant brown officers with army a2 intelligence at hamilton field and that the fragments were top-secret material. He stated that the caller indicated that when the Army released the names of the dead officers, it would verify that the information he was furnishing was correct. Blank stated that the second call he received at approximately 6.45 p.m. Friday, August 1st, 
at which time the caller stated that the 325, the B-25, was definitely shot down, definitely shot down, and that if he contacted Army Intelligence A-2, the man in charge would not deny it. Blank stated he thought the man said to contact Colonel Blank, but it was found out that it was Colonel Blank who was in charge of Army Intelligence A-2. The caller further stated that the sheriff's office had been kept away from the crash and that no civilians had been allowed near the plane. Blank stated the third call he received at 5.30 p.m. August 2nd and that this time the caller stated that one of the men who had been conferring with Captain Blank and Blank was taken to Alaska that day. Blank and longer line redacted looks like Lieutenant probably Brown, you know, it's probably, it's probably Brown and Davidson, was taken to Alaska that day. The caller further stated that the B-25 was shot down from the air with a 20-millimeter cannon, specifically, that the Marine plane found recently on Mount Rainier had also been shot down, that Captain Blank should be taken to Wright Field Tuesday morning, and that a United Airlines pilot by the name of Blank flew with Captain Blank when they were shot at over Montana. The caller stated he was leaving for San Francisco and would be back Tuesday. Yeah, so, I'm back out of the dock. Um, so, yeah, the plane was somewhat widely reported to have either been sabotaged or shot down over Centralia, Washington, as it headed south to California, where the investigators are based. Days later, apparently, Kenneth Arnold's small airplane was sabotaged, and he narrowly missed being killed in a crash himself while trying to leave the area. Uh, in addition to these strange occurrences, two other deaths of journalists tied to reporting the story within weeks of the event, as well as the ending of another reporter's career and the subsequent shuttering of the business of the Tacoma newspaper he worked for, all add to the air of mystery around Maury Island. So we've got, I believe, one Tacoma Times reporter who died, or it might have been somebody from the P.I. This was in the P.I., the Times, in an Idaho newspaper, um, the Idaho Star, where Kenneth Arnold first uh, disclosed his mission. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy, and I'm not even doing him justice here. I'm really not. Um, it's in the it's in the doc. It's in the notes here. Um, yeah, I mean, Maury Island. It's a crazy night. It's a crazy investigation. It's crazy what goes on afterwards here. What makes it interesting, I think, to this day, you know, uh, contested claims of hoaxing, mostly, uh, you know, didn't even really start. Uh, you know, it did get mentioned early, which helped kind of quash the story. But within a couple of years after that supposed MIB encounter, these guys had decided to send this story back out and try to share the info with the world and get it published as if it were true um, 
in some way, shape, or form, and put it in a in in. They wanted to get it made into a book, made into a movie. They were shopping it around like two, three years after the uh, the MIB threat, um, you know, interview visit uh, that Chrisman uh, uh, endured. <coughs> but um, uh, supposedly Edward Ruppelt, the uh, U.S. Air Force UFO investigator, who was I think most famously uh, presided over Project Blue Book during its heyday. Um, Project Blue Book being the you know the Air Force UFO you know public report dossier on how UFOs were all baloney and weather balloons and swamp gas, um, you know, and overactive imaginations and indigestion and stuff like that. Um, good old Project Blue Book. So, um, but. Uh, you know, he kind of included it in Blue Book in, like, the late 50s, like, you know, 1956, and, you know, widely circulated that that was not a, you know, legit occurrence. So, um, and, of course, we know that that story was widely, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Blue Book findings were widely, you know, adopted in the mainstream sort of mindset and, and narrative for UFOs. This is where the you know beginning of the UFO kook uh, phase uh, started. It was at the public publication of the results of uh, Project Blue Book. You know, people really began to be taken less seriously after that. <coughs> um, it's often repeated that Fred Chrisman himself admitted to the event being a hoax. Um, Chrisman, in addition to Dahl, um, you know, Dahl uh, admitted it because his wife told him to tell him tell everybody it was a dang hoax Chrisman said it was a hoax because the MIBs scared the crap out of him um, I believe uh, the FBI didn't uh, get involved until later so I don't think they were a part of the intimidation profile or, nor the Air Force guys uh, in this case the Air Force folks um, but um, you know Chrisman's statement the truth of it is a little bit more complex than a seemingly straightforward admission on his part. It's it's clear from uh, the these documents that we keep referencing are, as I mentioned earlier, FOIA docs, Freedom of Information Act uh, procured docs, uh, and uh, so they're you know they only became public a few years ago and. You know, as I told you, it's hard for me to read. I'm sure you know attorneys and folks with a real legal ease, uh, you know, sharpened uh, lens can can cut through it a little better. Um, and just with time, you know, you spend time with it, uh, you know, you get through a little bit more. It comes out, but uh, you know, uh, if you you know, Chrisman in the doc tells the FBI investigators that if he's asked about this any further by the media or anybody else that he would claim it was a hoax uh, quote because I don't want any more trouble over this uh, another paraphrase was uh, that uh, he said words to the effect of that he would claim to be the biggest liar that ever lived and uh, that he had only ever done it uh, as a hoax and uh, anybody ever said uh, otherwise uh, was lying on him, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so, you know, just all sorts of uh, hyperbole about how it would be, you know, he would he would claim it. 
that way because that was the only thing he could do. Um, and, uh, you know, I did see uh, that referenced in the doc. It's him talking about how this had, this entire affair had been nothing but trouble to him, um, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's not even all. Uh, the B-25 crashes. It takes all its secrets with it. All that evidence was lost in that crash, too, by the way, where the whole plane ripped itself to pieces uh, randomly on its way back to California after flying perfectly to Seattle and presumably hundreds of other destinations before that. But uh, Other material said from to be from the crash site you know was either you know recovered from the first night or recovered after all did remain at least for a while um doll had sent some to chrisman who sent it to ray palmer um his publisher friend um kenneth arnold's employer um and uh anyway before these uh samples of the possibly radioactive slag uh were later lost in a apparent theft uh they were looked at by somebody in their on their end uh and were thought to be interesting and uh you know interesting enough to warrant uh you know kenneth arnold's dispatch um and uh you know, they then were later analyzed by the FBI, uh, at least uh, other samples from near that location uh, on Maury Island, which has a gravel pit. Um, and, uh, you know, Palmer's people at one point in time and then later the FBI folks in the FBI report uh, characterize it differently. But they talk about and this is what the skeptics, you know, latch on to is, you know, characterizations like strange rock formations from a gravel pit on the island. Uh, is one quote, uh, one paraphrase from the report, um, slag, quote-unquote, from a local smelting plant uh, is another uh, posited theory at the time, um, and there probably was a smelting plant around there at the time. I don't think there really is one on Vashon now that I know of, but I probably, I don't know that much about Vashon. I go out there now and then. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. But, uh uh, perhaps, you know, the most intriguing, if confusing, footnote uh, <laughs> that I find, and this is a really, it's a weird big tangent uh, here, but uh, is that Chrisman, the owner of the boat, Dahl's employer, the guy who, you know, let Palmer, the publisher, know about this, sending old Kenneth Arnold out to look into it from Idaho, uh, Chrisman, Fred Lee Chrisman, he, in the 1960s, in like 67 or 68, whenever it was, was called in to testify in the Clay Shaw trial. And of course, you don't remember that name, but Clay Shaw was, I believe, the Joe Pesci character in the Oliver Stone JFK movie. Uh, depicted that by that character, uh, and uh, Clay Shaw was the real life character who was one of the central figures, or named as one of the central figures in the JFK assassination. 
he was called in to testify by somebody or other. They later exonerated him because he supposedly was not there in Texas on the day in question in 1963. Uh, the very same man that we're talking about in this story. This isn't everything, but it's everything we're going to go into. We have an episode that's going to get edited together to be over an hour and a half long, which I think is super cool. I don't even care. It's the middle of the flipping night, and I don't even care. Uh, I got half a beer to finish, and I'm going to sit up here and finish it, too, when I get done with all this. Um, But, uh, yeah. So, yeah. JFK assassination tie-in to Maury Island... Vashon Island, Washington, episode three. It's 2 a.m., which means it's actually my birthday, August 26th. Bam, 43 years old. Shazam. That's what's up. Here's the bullet points on Maury Island. They're in the show notes, too. First possible sighting of MIBs at Maury Island. Radioactive, potentially radioactive slag. It was reported. It was stolen. It was possibly sabotaged, maybe shot out of the air. It could still be around there today, either in the water. It could be on the ground on Maury Island in the, in the surrounding environs. Go find some. Don't get radiated, but find some slag. Let's analyze that shit. Uh, the burned kid. Oh, my God, you guys. The son of uh, Harold Dahl. He disappears, supposedly. He tells he tells Chrisman that his son disappeared, hadn't seen him in years. The kid shows up years later, like five-plus years later, because I think he was a young adult when this occurred, uh, turns up out of state in, like, Montana or some shit, or Oklahoma, something ridiculous. He's waiting tables. He has no memory of how he got there. I don't even know. I don't know what to tell you. That's crazy shit. That's that's part of this story. Uh, it's one of the bullet points. Dead dog of the injured boy, apparently pushed overboard. Let's not forget that. R.I.P. Harold Dahl's kid's dog, who was thrown overboard, and probably should have gotten looked at and or offered for examination after his untimely demise, but did not. Uh, the boat damage later on was said to be inconclusive at best. Um, government investigators died in a suspicious crash. The aircraft was said to have been shot down. And we got a series of weird phone calls to that effect, and some of which came before the aircraft was widely reported to have been crashed, nor any of the names released. Uh, journalists who report on it apparently died in strange circumstances, and this is like within weeks of the investigation being shut down and papers that were still running stories about this uh, event and talking in terms of things like sabotage, uh, things like uh, planes shot down as opposed to a routine accident, which the Air Force's own investigation, of course, indicated that it was a totally routine accident and that, you know, B-25s fall apart every day. Um, uh, so uh, at the Tacoma times idaho star uh newspapers uh both of those newspapers uh and then uh you know this event was reported as a hoax and then denied at as the same by one of the central figures 
and uh, you know there's uh, juicy bits about that on page 13 of the Agent Wilcox memorandum PDF doc, which is in your notes. Uh, Chrisman, Frank Lee Chrisman, is later named as a suspect finally in the JFK assassination. So that's your bullet points on the Maury Island incident. Uh, I hope you enjoyed everything we did here tonight. I hope I get this all chopped up together nicely and tidily uh, for us into uh, a lovely episode. It's 2.20 a.m., so I'm not going to do it tonight, tonight, tonight. I'm going to finish up and go to bed and wake up and have some coffee and do that in the morning uh, and wake and bake and bake and awake and put it all together and post it during the day tomorrow for us. Um on all our various platforms um, before we uh, say goodnight yeah I'll, I'll remind you we talked about land race strains earlier tonight the the progenitors of all the modern strains and I hope you uh, check into the list of land races that are also in the show notes uh, so that you can begin to you know check them off your wish list like I plan to as well uh, thanks again to my uh, lovely wife, um, who's downstairs asleep alone right now, uh, waiting for me uh, to get down and get done with this uh, craziness. Uh, she listens to me all week long as I prepare for this. Uh, so thank you, baby. Thank you so much. Um, thanks to all my friends who continue to watch and listen, reach out to me on personal channels to give me props and feedback. It really does mean a lot. Thanks to my employers at Smooth Sailing Cannabis for their support and flexibility. They're, they let me be where I need to be to work on episodes anytime I want. And I love that, and I really appreciate that. Um, they don't pay me to do the show or any of that, and you know this is my, my thing. So it's when I'm working on it, it's on my own time. So um, Finally, thanks to any of you who have discovered me, us, the show... Help spread the word, like it, like it uh, share it. Uh, please subscribe to our content. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel if you can. I know this is audio content right now, um, and I do want the podcast subscriptions. I'm on uh, being distributed via Libsyn. I'm on SoundCloud. I'm on TuneIn Radio. I'm on, uh, I believe, Stitcher Radio as well now. Um, so working on all the channels, trying to get, uh, sorted for the iTunes store. Um, uh, but I'm, um, doing some stuff with YouTube and tying it in with some YouTube video content from time to time. I'm going to have guests in the studio soon. And of course, that'll be more of an opportunity to do video content, uh, again, uh, as well. So, uh, please subscribe there. Uh, follow me on Instagram, visit me at uh, our website where I'll post every episode or links to every episode uh, every week along with the show notes and that is at www.bakedandawake.com uh, you are all so appreciated and I really do look forward to our next visit until next time smoke indica do shit anyway